Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Paul, today we have an example of some absolutely wonderful wine writing. Oh, that's a good news for a change. Yeah, it'd be nice if it were true. Um, <laughs> actually, this is, great, this is great wine writing if you are a total wine snob jerk. Oh, good. Although most of them actually wouldn't understand it. I'm not sure anybody would, but yeah. I can hardly wait. I know that you can't. Um, <laughs> this is actually another example of how to drive people away from wine. And it's from a big name wine writer in a big deal publication whose name has been removed because they have way better lawyers than we do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't actually have lawyers, do we, Rick? Uh, no, that's why we keep removing names. <laughs> no war, lawyer would touch us. That's right. So the headline of this story, by the way, is Soil, Not Grapes, is the latest must-know when picking a wine. So I like grapes. Me too. Me and, too. and actually the, tie, the headline's a little confusing because must... Must know. Must know, but must also means crushed grapes. So yeah, well, it's I, actually a little confusing to well, see it in the it, middle it, of the sentence it, that way. It gets worse. The latest uh, must. Yeah, it's the must know because there's always must knows because you have to know these things. Yes. Um, it, it, go, it goes I, on, Rick, and we're going to explain Rick, just how bad it gets. I know that. You know that. I must. I know that. That you stuff must I must know. know. It's a must I, know. I know it. All right. Um, go. <laughs> this is this is why <laughs> this is bottle talk. <laughs> this is why our show is is not a must listen. <laughs> That's right. All right. Also today, by the way, we have <laughs> listeners asking us about wine on tap, alcohol levels in wine, and about how to ask for a taste in a restaurant. And Good. since we are starting with some really horrible wine writing, we're going to have a history historic history moment later in the show. Good, including the decidedly uncool origins. It turns out of the word sommelier. <laughs> or what sommeliers were. And as usual, we are going to be making fun of wine snobs, and we have lots of material for that today. Always easy. Always easy. And by the way, a couple reminders that um, we are now still still on the Capital Public Radio podcast lineup. Bless their patience. That's right. Thank you, Capital Public Radio. And, and we're going to be taping a live show at the Four Fires Festival in Amador County in Plymouth at mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Amador County Fairgrounds. Wonderful event. May 6th, coming up in a couple of weeks. Come out and see us. Come shout at us. Taste some wine. Shout at us. Sure. Yeah. Shout us he- a question. Heckle us during the show, just like Paul's heckling me at the start of the show. <laughs> um, we we take any attention. Um, That's there's right. a link with more info on our website, in, or you can find it at Amador Four Fires. All right. So this magazine story. The headline was, Soil Not Grapes is the latest must-know when picking a wine. That phrase, And so we were talking about that phrase, must-know, is horrible, and it's misleading. And among other bad things, it just implies that you have to keep up, that there's so much you must know, and you got to stay the on latest top must of things. Know. Yes. Right. Now, it should be pointed out that in most publications, the writer— doesn't actually write the headline. Right. I'm yes, yeah, so I'm mad at everything. You know, bad bad wine <laughs> bad wine writing can't include the editors. It can't include <laughs> bad wine writers editors. Yes. Yeah. But this whole notion of there are things you have to stay on top of to be okay allowed to drink wine is right. just yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. So so I agree. But I agree with you, Rick. That's weird. <laughs> Wait a minute. I got it. No, I'm, it's taking me a minute okay, here. Just the shock of it. That. Okay. All right. I'm fine. All right. So let me read the start of the story. And while I do, please keep in mind, by the way, those of you who are listening, a, a, a kind of a philosophical question, and it, which is this. Could the writer possibly be any more of a tool? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's, here's, the, here's the first paragraph. Okay. You know the names of dozens of grape varietals and wine regions and well, and all, well, almost all, the Bordeaux crew classes. You can name with ease the best Burgundy Chateau and famous vineyards such as Napa's Tokelon. But you're not done yet. Oh, my goodness. 
I'm sorry. First of all, um, if you know all that stuff, you're not reading this lady. Yeah. Well, you're if you yeah. Because right. if you know all that stuff. You're a master psalm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you know all the grape varietals and all the wine regions and all the Bordeaux Grand Cru Class A, okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. You should be writing books, right. not reading them. Yes, and that, that sort of that, – that, that, that's the thing of, well, of course you should be these people. That's who you are because that's, those are the people who are allowed to drink wine. Brother. So, okay, next paragraph. It go, gets just, <laughs> it goes on. It goes – it continues to wind into what we would like to think of as horrible wine writing hell. Here's it is. Okay. <laughs> now it's time to bone up on the latest. And see, so the writer, writer used the phrase, now it's time to bone up on the latest must know. Yeah. The dirty – with a quote, dirty side of wine. How cute because it's writers talking about dirt. Not the geographic region, grape or vineyard, but what's below the surface of the land where vine roots seek deep into the earth that supposedly gives wine its true character and quality. Soil type is the latest way to classify wines. First of all, it's not. Well, there's a, we're going to get to that in just a second. Okay. But yes, it's not. <laughs> Do you want to get to that now or later? Well, well, first, first, I, want, I still want to talk about the tone of this. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. It's just, it's just so snobbery and 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 you know, nose in the air and aren't we cool and well, and, just the assumption that you need to know an awful lot in order to drink wine. Right. In the same way, again, I'm going to point out, you don't need to understand counterpoint and harmonic suspension to enjoy music. You can just listen to the music and love it. And you can do the but same thing with wine. But what soil type did the music exactly come from? Right. Yes. Exactly yes. right. Exactly right. So, and way down in the story, there is this paragraph, which the writer dismisses, <laughs> which you and I were just saying why it's not <laughs> right. true. The concept that's – I love this. True. The concept that specific flavors are being transmitted from rocks to vines is not exactly backed by scientists. In fact, it's a load of hooey. Right. Quote, vineyard geology can't be tasted in wine in any direct way, says Dr. Alice Maltman, a geologist at Aberystwyth University. Aberystwyth University. So here's uh, – but – but I mean, this is the key. wine writer keeps going, but many wine growers remain unconvinced. Good. So, so true. This is a bunch of hooey. <laughs> it's a bunch Quote, of hooey. Document, it's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> it's a bunch of hooey documented by science yes. as a bunch of hooey. But I'm still saying it's what you must know. Yes. And and uh, as you know, I am an incessant studier, a reader, a of, study reader. Yes, you are. And I have seen many a study, which I've never really yes. brought to the show because you. it seems like. Shooting, who would, who would shooting bring this fish up in, in a barrel? Place? Yes. Shooting fish in a yes. barrel. But nonetheless, so the writer dismisses all of that and writes a story that's saying, you, dear reader, are supposed to know about soils <laughs> because <laughs> wine is not complicated enough already. That's right. right. That's right. right. Even though it doesn't actually have anything to do with, according to science, what the wine tastes like, we're still going to talk yes. about it and insist yes. you learn it because could be – yeah. Well, well, it's it's not even could. Be. It's like the writer saying, well, you know, yeah, it's true. Science says water boils at 212 degrees at sea level. Right. But but some winemakers disagree. So we're going <laughs> to listen to them. <laughs> and, 
And there, by the way, there is no moon. It's just a paper cutout that, <laughs> on a balloon that flies across the sky. But you need to learn the phases <laughs> of that paper moon yes. so that you can cut it out correctly yes. in the future. Right. And next week, I'm going to write about people who flap their arms and fly. <laughs> and, you know, and then the writer goes on and quotes a restaurant that organizes its list by soils. Oh, my God. Because that's what we've been waiting for. Because all regular wine lists aren't already confusing enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, why don't you just take people outside and say, do you like wine here? Let me hit you on the head with a stick. It well, will no, be... rocks and dirt. Dirt. Dirt clods. Okay. This is about Throw dirt, dirt clods. Right. <laughs> yes. Throw dirt clods at them because that will make them like wine more. Yes. Well, and you know, so this is the worst kind of feature writing and alleged journalism and then most extensively wine writing because this shows up, which is writers going bonkers about some quote unquote trend. I'm doing my air quotes now. Yes, I can see trend. that. Nobody I'm, else I'm, can, but yes. I can see it. Actually, Matt, Matt can, can see it. it. <laughs> and he, and he's, and he gets me. He's shaking his Matt head, too. Matt gets me, Paul. He is shaking his head because <laughs> he know it ain't showing up on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but it's, it's it's the writer showing that they are totally with it. Once again, air That's quotes. That's right. Air yes. quotes. They, Matt's well, nodding. Because they use air quotes because but, they're you know, with it. And so it's all these silly things and their wines and if people read wine magazines or heard us making fun of them. There's orange wines and pet nat, which not even get into, but but they are, quote unquote, the hottest thing that are everywhere. And they're one, they're not everywhere. Two, and often cases, they're not even very good. Right. But, but, they're, but the wine writer has to do, to make that wine writer look like that person is on top of things. Cutting edge. Cutting edge. Got to be cutting right, edge. Right, right. Yes. Now, the irony is that this whole story about dirt and rocks is not new. It is one of the right. oldest myths in winemaking, and it's being dragged back out here as right. if it is cutting edge when, in fact, it's trailing edge. Which is why there are so many studies that have been done over the years that because it's been so old and bad affect. and people keep right. saying, yeah. Um, and then and then to top it off, the writer tries to explain what flavors these wine these, – these soils give. Does she mention – Crushed minerals? No, that's that's somebody might not have heard that episode, but uh, <laughs> there was a wine writer describing something as crushed minerals. This is more like crushed spirit here. So, just a couple of examples, uh, if I might read. Please, so what, oh please, these, these are what the soils do. The uh, granite, the no. hardest bedrock. Okay, the, the, this is what the soils do, according to whom? The writer. Well, right. and the people the, the scientists writer say about, that this but doesn't you're, happen. You're going to like what this says. Okay. Granite, the hardest bedrock, contains a lot of quartz and drains quickly, forcing vine roots deep into the earth. The wines have an edgy, have edgy flavors and structures. Limestone, this chalky subsoil may, may be f- from made from fossilized seashells left behind by a prehistoric sea, has been famous for centuries as a source of great wines in Burgundy and Champagne. Okay. That's it. Okay. So doesn't really tell us a darn thing about what they might do. Doesn't mention volcanic It, it does have edgy flavors, whatever that might be. Edgy flavors. Edgy flavors. Edgy flavors. Edgy. Those are flavors that you you put the glass on the edge of the table instead of no, the middle I think, of the table. I think they have biting humor. <laughs> Those flavors, they tell, they tell biting humor, socially right? relevant jokes is what they do. <laughs> well, they sure don't drag up old wives' tales from 300 years ago and <laughs> yes, pass them off. Yes, that is not edgy in pass, any way. Pass these, them off as edgy f- news when the scientists are standing in the back shaking their heads and going, Dear God, not again. Yes. So, yeah, 
this this oh I just these must knows must knows uh, and then you know plus that the dirty side of wine pun and you and I uh, have a well, this is a pun free zone pun free zone despite what we do yes <laughs> <laughs> but we're not we have not yet done something that lame <laughs> right. and that's saying something and that's For saying us, something that is, that saying is, something. That is we have extremely low we standards have, and we have not we have, stooped that have, low yet we have gotten that lame meter up to <laughs> astronomic heights and yet all right well speaking of lame now we're going to give some lame answers to questions. Good. You're but listening the questions to will be good. The questions are good. The answers are lame. <laughs> and this is a Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Of course, uh, if you'd like to ask us a question and you're not on our website, you can go there at rickandpaulwine.com or shout it into the dirt and it will echo um, <laughs> as and flavor. We'll, we'll, we'll taste it in our wine. That's right. Um, all right. This one comes, first one comes from Henry in San Bruno. Henry says, I keep seeing wine on tap in restaurants. Is it any good? Do they do anything different to them? And some of them are pretty expensive. Shouldn't they be cheap? So there's more than one question, and that's a really good set of questions. It's a good set of questions. And the first answer is um, basically when they make wine in a keg, in a tap for restaurants, they can put basically the storage system is very functional. So you can use almost any kind of storage. Almost any wine will be stored effectively in that serving process, the tap. And so it depends on whether it should be cheap or not. Depends, depends on, on the wine. what wine you put in there. Yeah. But you can put very good wine in there. You can put very inexpensive wine. But the system itself actually is a pretty good way of yeah. serving wine in a restaurant. Yes. Although you, although what they do is they do analyze the soil for tastes before they put it in there. That's right. It, they, they, it's a must-know must thing know. for tap wine. But no. the, the question we had last week which was about the best way to preserve an already opened bottle of wine. Here, the tap system solves that completely sure. because it saves the wine under an inert gas and the yes. wine maintains its freshness good to the last drop. Yes. Or in the case of wines made from granite, good to the last grain of granite, apparently. Yes. Well, I don't think get that granite in there, the tap, though, because it cuts up the bag <laughs> or the keg, as it could be. Right. And, and, you know, and shouldn't they be cheap is a really good question, Henry. And, and you know, as uh, I've mentioned in the past that one of the things I used to do in my wine career is uh, put in w w wines for restaurants. And one right. of the things I always suggested when folks that I worked with restaurants that did have taps was to not have expensive wine. Not that it wouldn't be great wine in there, but, but your reaction is very common. Right. Which is that they expect that tap wine to be not the, to be a good price almost. Right, but the truth is that you add all the packaging up for a bottle of oh, wine. Oh yeah, it should actually get really good wine. It could cut, it could take a, a couple of but, bucks off the price. Yeah, but you know if you take a bottle of wine, say you buy, go into a store and buy a bottle of wine at fifteen bucks, the packaging on that bottle is worth seventy five cents to a buck maybe. Yeah. Oh, oh no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it, it is that sort of our, our so, reaction. It's not in a bottle. We expect it to maybe it's a little expect cheaper. Expect to be cheaper, but in fact, yeah. Going from a bottle to a, to a keg, to a tap, only saves about a buck a bottle maybe yeah. in cost. Yeah, 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 so it's yeah, not it's really not that, that much expensive. It, it, yeah, it's, it's the perception. It's, it's, not, exactly, the, it's exactly not the right. actual cost. And, and if you do – and it's, it also is to save the bar and the restaurant folk just a little bit of energy of explaining. Right. Yeah. But, but you right. can – if there's a good wine in a tap, it's going to be good. And yep. if it's expensive, it might be yep. good. And, yeah, and yep. nothing wrong with that. Friend of mine, Peter Granoff, has had at his Ferry Plaza and Oxbow Wine Merchant, he has had some very good wines on tap. All right. Yeah. All right. This next one is from Concepcion in Sacramento. Uh huh. Local girl. 
Yes, and uh, and she asked. She's probably the... canceled her membership to Capital Public Radio. No, no. I, I Concepcion <laughs> is actually a friend, and okay. she is a fan of Capital Public Radio. Excellent. I can say that. I can say that, which is why she asked us a question because she's uh, she feels sorry for Capital Public Radio. I think. <laughs> All right. She, no, she asks. This is and it's a good question. What's the etiquette for asking for a taste of wine in a restaurant? What do you say if they give you a taste and you really don't like that wine? Should you get it anyway since they gave you that taste, or can you ask for another wine to taste? So there, there are, to my mind, there are two options here. One of them is: is she asking to taste a small taste of a wine that they're selling by the glass or on tap, <laughs> or on tap? Because in that case, it doesn't cost a restaurant practically anything to pour right. a taste, and she's absolutely within her rights to say, could I taste it? And if I don't like it, hmm, maybe I better go with something else. Absolutely across the board. Second question, she orders a bottle of wine. She says, can I taste it? Well, remember, when you order a bottle of wine, they will pour you a taste. Yeah, but you're not really tasting whether to like it at that point. You're tasting whether it's spoiled or something no, bad with the wine. but I always draw a distinction between when you order a bottle of wine and they suggest versus it. when you say, well, I like, let's say, Kendall Jackson Chardonnay and you don't have that on your list. What do you recommend that I might like? If they bring you something and you taste it and you don't like it, you're within your rights at that point to say, you know what? This doesn't taste like what I like. So I don't want this bottle because you're actually – Selecting that on their right. recommendation. But if you picked it out, that's a different thing. But, but if, so, you, if Rick goes into the shop and says, or the store and says, I want the 1959 Chateau Lafitte Rothschild, $4,800. Oh, I, I don't get the cheap stuff like that. And they bring the it stuff. and he tastes one taste. says, no, this isn't. I don't like this one. I want the yeah. 56. It's, sorry, you bought it. Yeah. And yeah. And so, but. In, in, in a shorter answer is if if it's by the glass, always ask for the taste and just say, yes. "What's that taste like?" And you know, do you mind if I taste? And, you know, right. and, they'll, and they'll absolutely help. By the bottle, it's it's a really much more complicated. And yeah. it's it's on occasion they might have a bottle open because for some reason somebody didn't buy it, and they might and they they might suggest that. But right. um, but really, the wines that you can taste are the ones by the glass. Now, if they bring you a little taste, Rick, I need to point this out to you because you often do this wrong. When they bring you just a little one ounce. Mm -hmm pour the wine, you're still supposed to smell it and you're supposed to sip a little bit. I, I don't dab it behind my ears. No, and you don't just okay. drain the glass, slam it down and say, I don't like that one. Give me another one. Oh, I, I slam it down, yell skull and ask for more. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's usually what I do. Um, so Concepcion, th through all our goofiness, I hope that's clear. I, we, we, we gave her some actual – there were some actual yeah, answers hidden there. It's true. And, and fundamentally, it's yes. You can ask and, and just feel free, especially if it's by the glass especially or by, on by tap the glass. or anything like that. Yep. All right, we will have more questions in just a bit. Um, but that is it for questions for now. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. And up next is our acclaimed historic history moment. Cue the trumpets. Now, that group, those folks, they have some class. They have some class. They, they, yeah. yes, they don't, they don't, uh, they, they are, they are a must listen, <laughs> or a must hear, or something. That's right. All right. So it is history moment time. We are taking yep. you back, our way back machine. And Rick, you're you're starting this week with I, something I about am. sommeliers. I'm going way back. I'm going. Well, it's the origin of what psalms used to be. Uh huh. Um, and it goes back. It actually start that that uh, that job of being a sommelier goes back to the the era of the early French Renaissance, which is we're talking the 15th century, mm -hmm. and people um, you know people bought the title of sommelier, basically paying to become part of the entourage of a king or a nobleman. 
Mm-hmm. And the sommelier had two jobs. First, that psalm was he. It was always he. It was, he, was a, he was the provisioner. He was in charge right. of provisions. Right. Stocked food, the wine. Yep. Yep. For the mm-hmm. trips. The provisions were kept in a carriage called a psalm. S-O-M-M-E. Yep. Okay. That's where the phrase comes from. Yep. So he was the sommelier. The he guy the, put the he, food and the wine into the, he, and the psalm. Yep. But that was just a small part of his job. The first half and less important part of his job. The second part was he tasted every food and wine before they brought it to the Lord Boss person to be sure. That <laughs> was that it, the official? The yes, Lord Boss. The Lord person? Boss person. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, that's who Psalms for. Yes. Um, to be sure that it hadn't spoiled or been poisoned. Nice. So uh, then, as now, there was considerable turnover in the position <laughs> of Psalms. <laughs> What do they call it? Uh, the the attrition rate. Yes, depending on who you like. Yes, and they and they didn't they didn't have a, a series of tests. The master sommelier was the guy who was still alive. Still alive. Yes. Well, there's a there's a sort of a cool connection to that, which is, at the time when they had these professional tasters, remember that the the traditional language was still Latin. And when a sommelier or an official taster had tasted food and believed it to be safe to eat. I believe in Latin is credo. Which means safe? I believe. Oh, I believe. Credo. Credo. And so he would put it on a special piece of furniture, a sideboard in the dining room that was where you put the things he believed were safe. And that sideboard was called a credenza Mm. because it was where the food that was believed to be safe. So what we call a credenza actually was a place where you put food that was safe to eat after the taster, after the sommelier had tasted it. Ah, nice. So there you go. put my feet on the credenza now, which makes the food unsafe, doesn't it? Boy, it's poor. Or somebody has got to smell that stuff, yeah, you know. Well, somebody, he's not going to last long anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, there you go. That's your history moment. You are now officially educated in, in uh, well, no. You know, I think those are both good stories. They uh, can file those stories yeah. in the credenza. Yes. Next time the psalm uh, gives you uh, a little bit of, uh, of uh, grief, grief, you say, say hey, hey, I know where you came from. You had to buy your title and you were tasting the poison. And, and if you don't like it, go put it on the credenza. Yep. There you go. Okay. So our next question comes from Maureen in Chico. Mm -hmm. She says, what's the big deal with alcohol levels in wine? That's about the only thing the wine server at restaurant name removes so we don't get sued talks about. And I keep seeing some writers go on and on. Does it really matter? And if it does, what does it do besides the obvious? Well, the first answer is um, besides the obvious, the obvious Um, And that some wine writers and even some diners are concerned about drinking wines that are 15.5% alcohol because you get drunk quicker. Now, I actually find this very helpful when I'm ordering beer because, as you know, beer can range from 3.2 to 12 plus percent. To the wine range for sure. Yeah. 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 So if I'm having a beer with a hamburger, really helps me to know at least a rough idea of what the alcohol level is. In wine, there's another element, which is very, very alcoholic wines, let's say wines that are 15% or higher, also tend to be, I mean, the reason the alcohol levels are so high is the fruit tends to be really ripe. Mm-hmm. So if you like that big, rich, jammy style of wine, then knowing that the alcohol is 15% is an indication that that's what you're going to get. If, on the other hand, you like lighter, fresher, livelier style wines, then knowing that the alcohol's 12.2 is probably an indication that the wines can fall into that category. Now, 
either one of those could also be communicated just by a sommelier who says, describes the wine. This is big and heavy and rich, and the other one right. is light and fresh and lively. Right. And, and assuming that the wine is in balance, and that's always you know that's good winemaking. So we'll assume right. for the moment that it is. You know, higher alcohol can also make the wine give the, the wine a, a bit of smoothness, and it adds sort yep. of a, you know that that sort of and even a, a sense of sweetness uh, on occasion. Um, and it, you know. This, it, a high alcohol wine may not age well, but that's not your issue if you're in if the restaurant. Right. Um, the the thing is that alcohol levels have become one of the cool kid things. Um, and look, there's some argument for lower alcohol levels in wines for all kinds of reasons. But if you like big, giant reds, you know, the 16% Those arguments sins, aren't important. Nothing wrong with that. That's nothing right. wrong with that at all. And so that's the thing is that, you know, the cool kids, there's a thing that they have to be and the way they have to say it, talk about it, and they have to be dismissive. And, and well, But here's the know. thing is, as she points out, to me, the real, the real thing, she says, it's the only thing the wine server talks about. Well, that's a bad wine server. Yeah. If the only thing you talk about is the alcohol level, you need to go back to school and figure out something to talk to your customers about that they care about. Yeah, and you know, I know, I know that kind of of, of wine person. You know that right. that when you go in, they say, "Yeah, this one's twelve five. You'll love it." <laughs> okay. <laughs> what does it taste like? You yeah. Know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that's. I hope that clears it up. And yeah. Or the, or the other option is they come in and they tell you that this one is fourteen seven. The alcohol in this one's fourteen seven. And you look them straight in the eye and say, "Do you have anything in fourteen six? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and here's – so two things, Maureen. First off, there is <laughs> – Don't the, go to a restaurant with us. <laughs> yes. Well, no. A wine that's under 14 percent can actually be off by 1.5 percent alcohol in terms of what says on the label and the actual testing. They're True. allowed – right. there's lots of complicated reasons that allow that, but fundamentally because wines change and the right. different barrels and that sort of thing – over 14% it can be off by as much as 1%. Right. So that sort of thing is also a little silly. But I think what you do when this person says, well, this is the alcohol level, I say, ask, what kind of dirt did it come from? <laughs> and what flavor did that dirt give it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, what's the alcohol content of the dirt? <laughs> okay. All right. Must know. Must know. Must know. Okay. Our next one is from Luke in Sebastopol. And it's kind of a good, long, complicated question. We should almost do a show yeah, on and, this. And the best part is it's probably got one of those, like, three-word answers. Yeah. No, it's how, how can wineries make so many different wines from one vineyard? But some of the wineries we go to say they have the perfect grape for the vineyard and they just use that. Who's right? It's so everybody's right. Yeah, that's a, it's a great question, and and really, we, this could be like a you know, a half hour discussion. Yeah. You know, so more than one grape grows in in the same kind of terrain. Some right. some grapes really like a certain kind of thing, and so they right. found a great site for this grape that gives yep. it all kinds of great qualities. Yep. Some some vineyards can change from row to row in terms well, of their and exposures. then you've got the scenario that the husband who owns the winery likes one kind of wine, right. and his wife likes something else, and right. the winemaker likes a third kind, so they make all three, so everybody tries to stay happy. Right. And then there's something, uh, by the way, Luke, called field blends, which was sort of an old way yes. of making wine, where they planted a whole bunch of different grapes. And in essence, they made the blended the wine in the field, and they did it for lots of reasons. One, these are the grapes that would go well all together in this right. wine. Second, they all ripened maybe a little bit different times, so it was a sort of insurance against bad weather. Right. I mean, there's all kinds of things that go on. So the answer is... Everybody's right. Vineyards are kind of amazing things. You <laughs> Everybody's know? right. But some grapes don't Rick, do well in some places. You know, there's a problem here, Rick, is that we cannot possibly write an article about this and tell everybody this is what you must know. 
It's, because, this is not a must-know. Because everybody's right. <laughs> yes. There's no right. fun in that. There's no, no, fun, there's yes. no snob factor in yes. that. Yes. No, this is, this is a— uh, Somebody has a, to be right, and that means everybody else has to be this wrong. This is an—with uh, hyphens included in between the words, this is an okay to be. <laughs> just fine, just fine, just as is, just fine. Excellent. But, um, yeah, so so that's good. But you know, if you if you go to these wineries, um, this is kind of fun. And when they say that this is the perfect place for this grape, ask them why, and they might give you a really interesting story. They'll probably about talk about dirt. Yeah, they'll tell you about they'll tell you about the schist. They're going to be full of schist <laughs> to use your line. Um, so, all right. <clears throat> Um, and but uh, okay, that's uh, that's it for for we've, for, we've murdered that question. We, that's, that's, yeah, that's it for our <laughs> dirty no, this dirty the, the dirty the must secret, know the must know dirty secret the must know dirty the secret was, of the yeah. wine business. Yeah. everybody's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, except us, <laughs> as you can tell, because you've heard another whole show of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer, who is always right, is Matt Bassini. Thank you, Matt. And thank you to Cap Public Radio for the serial use. And they may not be right by letting keeping us on their podcast lineup, but we thank them. And come see us at Amador Four Fires in Plymouth, California, Northern California, Amador Wine Country, May 6th. Come see the May show. 6th. Come taste the wines. If you learned anything today, we hope it's this. There is no must-know in wine. How about opening the bottle at the small end? Okay, there's one. That's one. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines are the ones you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially us.